Then Jesus and his disciples arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swineherds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. He got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. Back in 2008, when I spent my last summer as a camp counselor, the day camp I worked for, inspired by the Summer Olympics being hosted in Beijing that year, held a camp-wide Holiday Hill Olympics for the last week of the summer. Now, all campers were assigned a country, and we dressed in our country's colors, chanted the name of our country, and rooted on our team. I was part of Team Jamaica. And as a camp counselor, you have to get into it, right? If you're not into it, the kids aren't going to be into it. So I proudly wore my green, black, and yellow, painted my nails to match the flag, wrote Jamaica down my arm in paint, then got a sunburn that left me sporting Jamaica <laughs> down my arm for a little longer than I had intended. For that week, our campers, who were usually just divided by age, 
received a new temporary identity. They were grouped into communities and told to compete. Big kids cheered on their little teammates. By the pool, there were chants of USA, but also Italy and Mexico. There was a desire to win and to be the best, even if there was no clear prize for doing so. I'm pretty sure the whole thing ended with ice cream for everyone. Now here's the funny thing. I was 18 at the time. I'd never traveled to Jamaica. I don't have any family ties there or any other connection to that country. And yet I still feel this strange little connection to Jamaica. I can picture their flag way more easily than I can picture most flags. I remember my Jamaica sunburn and the joy of Camp Olympics. I still root for Jamaica when the Olympics come around. It's curious how identity works, especially the way that identity in a community works. Having a community, experiencing a group identity can be such a positive thing giving you a place to belong, a reason to work hard, people to root for, knowing that you are a part of something bigger than yourself. But it can also be destructive and negative, as we all know. Like when the walls around such a group are too rigid, too narrowly defined, a mechanism for people keeping a mechanism for keeping people out of knowing when someone doesn't belong. If you're not one of us, then you must be one of them. In our gospel lesson today, Jesus is very much in the land of the other. Our gospel writer lets us know this in some subtle and some not-so-subtle ways. He is in the land of the Gerasenes, a Gentile territory we are told it is opposite of Galilee. There happened to be some pigs and a pig farmer nearby. Not typical in your Jewish regions. And the first person who approaches Jesus is a man who has been cast out of this community, forced to live on the margins because he looked and acted in a way that others couldn't bear to see. And yet, Jesus crosses these boundaries of culture and territory, of clean and unclean. He doesn't turn away from the man who is naked and living in the tombs with something so strong living inside of him that even his shackles can't always contain it. When Jesus meets this man, he's not afraid. He sees his affliction but he also sees him as a person. He asks for his name, recognizing his humanity. Though the demons argue with Jesus and plead with him, Jesus casts the demons out. Stories of demons can make us a bit uncomfortable, or at least I can say that for myself. We don't use this kind of language often. We might say that this is misunderstood mental illness or draw a parallel to addiction. 
But we don't need to understand demons to understand the power of this story. Whatever afflicted this man, however we explain it, earthly or supernatural, it left him tormented and without control over his own body. It was powerful and debilitating. And yet this man is healed. This man is healed, and in his healing, he is transformed. At the end of the story, the man is clothed. He is in control of his own mind. He is sitting calmly at the feet of Jesus. Healing this man, removing the demons from him, restores him in a way that the crowd isn't ready for. They should be overjoyed that this man who was among the dead is alive. Instead, they are afraid, and they ask Jesus to leave. They are afraid of the one who controls the demons, or perhaps they are afraid of a love so powerful that it sets the captives free. It is too scary to think that this man who was naked and homeless could undergo such a transformation. It was not the natural order to things. Jesus upsets the order of their community. He makes them question their own identity. They had decided long ago that this man was other, that he was not one of them. But now, instead of an uncontrollable monster, they are forced to see his humanity. And what does that say about them? That they kept one who was human, who was broken in spirit and in need of help, shackled in a place of death, all to keep themselves safe and comfortable. This man, now free from what held him captive, wants to go with Jesus. He wants to be part of the community who travels. He hopes that he has found a place to belong, a community who understands what it means to be sick and then healed, bound, but then free. Instead, Jesus gives him a mission. Return home and declare what God has done for you. He needs to return and share the good news with the same people who rejected him. We don't know what happens next. We don't know how the garrisons grow and change after Jesus leaves them. But in all the Gospels, we only hear of Jesus healing one person in the land of the Gerasenes, and it's this man. And Jesus tells him he can now return home. So maybe it's not just one man that's healed that day. Maybe it's the whole community that is healed with this one miracle. Maybe that the man no longer captive, he can tell his community that they are no longer captors. Maybe now that he is healed, he can heal them too. Today happens to be Juneteenth, a day when we commemorate the emancipation of enslaved African Americans. 
a day that doesn't just celebrate freedom of one group of people, but the freedom we all received when the last slaves in our country were freed. We were transformed. We were no longer a nation of slaveholders. And while the steady march towards justice and true equality continues, this moment is worth remembering and honoring and celebrating. A day when we were all freed and received new identities. In Galatians, we hear a few more words about identity. We learn that in Christ, there is no longer Jew or Greek, no longer slave or free, no longer male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus, all heirs according to the promise. These labels, these distinctions, they're not neutral categories. Each one of them contains a hierarchy, a way society is ordered, distinctions that people carried that let them know their place. Paul is letting the church in Galatia know that in God's kingdom, these hierarchies mean nothing. They might shape your earthly identity, but they do not make you any more or less worthy of God's love. All are heirs. All inherit God's kingdom. These identities, even if they ordered most things in your daily life, their work, what they could eat, when they were served, where they called home, their wealth, where they sat, they are nothing in comparison to the identity that we share in Christ. In Christ, each one of us is loved, is whole, is treasured. The identities that we carry with us today, some bring us pride, some give us a team to root for, even if it's the Eagles. (laughs) Some give us a community of folks who have the same hobby or share the same passions. But sometimes the walls are too rigid. We keep people out. We become us and them. We see more differences than similarities. And in the worst of cases, we lose sight of one another's humanity. So this reminder to the Galatians is just as important for us today. In just a few moments, after our hymn of the day, we'll witness Connor's baptism. Connor's not even six months old yet. He's a very happy baby, brings lots of joy to his parents and his grandparents, and you can't deny that he's super cute. (laughs) But he hasn't accomplished much, right? (laughs) I mean, I mean, I mean, wait, 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 hold on. He's a baby. We don't expect him to. All I'm saying is that today's baptism, he's done nothing to earn. But Connor will receive some big promises because of God's grace. God already loves him. God has already claimed him. And today, publicly and in community, 
we will name him as part of the body of Christ. And in his baptism, we'll remember our own baptisms and this identity that we all share that none of us have earned, that we are loved and we are claimed and we are a part of the body of Christ. This community, this identity, unlike so many others, exists without walls. There is no them, there is no other, there is no unworthy. This is a community that grows and embraces and welcomes and shares until there are no more people on the outside or on the margins or cast out. Until every person knows they are loved by their heavenly creator and they have a place to belong. Amen.